and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their struggles and their own uncertainty, yet somehow they have found a way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into the space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really, ask yourself that. Join me each week for inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment. You can connect with me by going to my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I read all emails personally. And there are also all the live shows become put on my uh, website as podcasts. A high school dropout, pregnant and 18, where does your mind go as I introduce today's guest, Alicia Rittenhouse? What, was, what is she able to accomplish in this economy? We hear so much about fear and joblessness and, you know, how you have to have an education. How can she provide for her daughter as a single mother? Well, I'm happy to tell you that Alicia is thriving and learning and growing as a productive member of society. Isn't that what we want as parents to have our children thrive as adults? Alicia is a successful entrepreneur. She's a tech cheerleader and digital diva. She's built her business bootstrapping from the ground up while raising her daughter and being the sole provider. Alicia teaches other entrepreneurs to use technology so they can build successful online businesses. Alicia, hello and welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. So you have an incredible backstory as well as, you know, tools for my listeners who are building their businesses. So first I want to introduce you to my um my listeners and uh, your own just personal journey, right? We, we know that you were high school dropout and a teenage mom, and you had to find a way to support your child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to find a job, a real job, because when I found out I was pregnant, I was working at the mall um, in a tiny store. <laughs> and so how, how do you, you know, how did you not get defeated by saying, oh my gosh, this is going to be me making, I don't know, minimum wage, right? And then having a child that you have to raise. Well, I've always had a drive and a passion, you know, when I wanted to do something, right? So once Madison was born, I really needed to find a way to support her and to set an example of her. You know, I kind of went my whole life thinking, oh, I'll be 30 years old before I have kids. Um, And so having, you know, that changed my life at at 18, it was like, okay, what really am I going to do? I'm young. I have the world at my hands right now. I need to take advantage of it. And so it was really, um, you know, uh, uh, 
each one was a step. I mean, I started out thinking that I wanted to be a registered nurse. I can't really even stand the sight of blood, you know? So mm -hmm. I was just, like, really grasping at things at that point. But I knew I had to start with getting my GED. So I went and did that. And then I enrolled in college and just started taking classes just because I knew that that's something that I had to have because that's what society told me was that you, you get your high school diploma or you get your GED and then you have to go to college before you can do anything in the world. And um, really what I found out as I started college was that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, I got a good job. After probably about a year of really, really bad, bad jobs, um, and, and at that time I was like making six bucks an hour, you know, it wasn't anything. And I landed this one job and it just really started to help me see what the world of possibility was. And it actually turned me on to technology. Um, I started out as a receptionist there and I saw ways that they could do things to save time, to save paper. <laughs> you know, um, and, and to move into the new uh, revolution that we were coming into. And this was back in, like, 2001. Um, and, and at this time, I really still didn't even know a lot of technology, but I just knew that there were better ways to do things. Um, and so I, I started just diving into the information, and then I went back to college. Well, I was still going to college, but I changed my, my major and what I was shooting for. Um, to be more technology-based. Um, and that really just, I don't know, that just opened the door, and it just opened up the passion. And then I think uh, I was kind of like a wild horse let out of their cage, you know, um, just trying to, to figure out where I fit in because I went from wanting to be an RN to wanting to be an HR manager to now discovering this new taste of technology and actually really felt like I was, I was in a place that I belonged um, rather than corporate America um, and started seeing what the possibilities were. I mean, this was even before people started to really work virtually. You know, I kept saying, oh, but I could do this and I could do that, and it was definitely not well receptive <laughs> at that point in time. And so how does one go from making, you know, $10 an hour to 75000 last year? <laughs> oh, lots of hard work. Um, one thing that I will say is that there are not very many people that are successful overnight. There usually is a pretty good backstory to it and, and usually results in a lot of work. So um, I got fired from my job, and I was like, what am I going to do? I, you know, still, I had not finished college. Um, at this point, I had such a good job that I had really slacked off on my classes and was only taking, like, a class at a time. And I got married and, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, then I got fired, and then the marriage kind of fell apart. And <laughs> I'm still, you know, don't really have a college degree, don't really have a direction of where I'm going. I heard about becoming a virtual assistant. And I really researched it because that's what I'm, I'm, I was really good at researching the Internet at this time. And so I researched it out and I saw that this was a possibility where I could use my technology and put it to good use to help people virtually doing the same thing that I was doing in corporate America. So, you know, I sat on it for like two years. And finally, you know, through, I will say that my um, husband at the time, my ex-husband, 
he was a big encouragement for me. And he was like, I really think that you should do this. You've talked about it enough. People, you know, think that you can do it. I think you should do it. So I started my business. And within six months, we got a divorce of me starting my business. So I moved back in with my parents. And I was making $500 a month, which is nothing. You can't, I don't even think you can raise or support a single person, let alone me. And um, my daughter was six years, six or seven years old at the time, depending on what time of year it was. Um, so it was a struggle. But I knew that living at home with my parents was not where I wanted to be, not at all. And... You know, some people could really like, oh, my gosh, you went through a divorce trying to start a business. Why didn't you just go back to corporate America? Mm-hmm. And I didn't because I knew that's not I, – I didn't fit in there. I never really had fit in there. Um, and a lot of people could have said, well, you were really down. You know, you were going through a divorce. You weren't making any money. And for me, if you've heard the rest of my story, that's where I come up fighting and swinging. And, and I was like, I am going to make this business work. You know, nobody really has faith in me. Really, where I live at, nobody even had a clue what I did. They didn't understand it. And at the time, they're like, you're only making $500 a month. You know, how can you be successful at this? Mm-hmm. So I was like, watch me, you know. Just sit back and watch me. Give me some time. And uh, within nine months, I was making enough that I could move out and uh, support my daughter and I. And... Um, I think that first year I ended up, it was only a couple thousand dollars. I think like right around $4,000. And then that second year, though, um, I was right, I think it was like twelve to 13000 And then it went up, and then it went up a little bit more, and then I started doubling my business. And that's where I'm at now. Um, and I'm projected that I will do so again, at least again this year, which I really do believe that it'll probably be more than that. Um but it was a lot of hours, a lot of hours of hard work. You know, my daughter would go with her dad, um, and I would work. I wouldn't be out hanging out with my friends like normal 26-, 27-year-olds were. I was at home working. And um, I think because of my drive and my passion to know what my abilities were definitely helped the situation. Um, but I did it all without going back to college. Um, I took a 20-week course that taught me how to be a virtual assistant and just really put my all into it, my passion, my my blood, sweat, and tears, everything that I could, I just put into my business. And, you know, six years, it's definitely paid off. You know, I think when you talk about you put your all, your passion, and your blood, sweat, and tears, I mean, that to me, being a coach, both in the athletic world and life coach, weight loss coach, mm-hmm. all that stuff, is that the difference between my clients that lose a lot of weight, per, you know, like there's a tangible result, or athletes that get to be really fast and, ha- you know, become state champions or nationally ranked or whatever, is the difference of putting in their all versus just kind of showing up and going through the motions. Right. And that sounds like one of the keys to your success is that like you said, you know, when your daughter wasn't there, you made use, you seized the moment, you know, you made Mm -hmm. use of those opportunities versus some other people might say, well, I took this course, but it didn't really do much for me. Right. (laughs) Yes. And I hear that all the time, even with, with my teachings and what I do. And, and it's like, well, did you implement this or did you implement that? Well, no. Well, that's why it's not working out for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and um, there, I'm, I don't want to say that I've always, in the past six years, been this driven. I mean, there was a time that I was really frustrated, and I was hitting a rock spot, rock, uh, um, hard spot, and really felt like, okay, I'm not getting out of the house. I'm single. I'm, you know, 28 years old, going to be 29. Yeah, I was right on that borderline. And I was here, you know, on the weekends working. I really wasn't out, didn't have a social life. Um, I occasionally would get out, and I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to get me out of the house? Here I have this great business that I've built, um, and I know that potential is, was a lot greater, but I was so frustrated. I was like, what can I do? I thought I was going to go sell Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a way to get me out of the house. I'm going to go sell Mary Kay. And uh, that only lasted for like 24 hours because then I, I, at the time, was working with a coach that was like, what are you doing? Like, you have so much potential. And she just had to kind of reignite that spark in me and help me find that passion again. And, uh, well, we'll just say that, that, that you know, the whole Mary Kay thing, is, it's hard for me to even fathom that I gave it that thought because since then my business is just, really take it off. I mean, I thought that I was trailblazing things before, but now it's just, it's amazing. It's its almost moving so fast that I'm like, you know, trying to sit back and watch it, but it's really, really hard because it's like a subway car. You know, it's like you try to focus in on it for a second and then it flies by. Um, but I love it. I love the speed and the the action and, and how it's really having me tap more into my passion. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It. I'm talking with Alicia Rittenhouse, tech cheerleader and digital diva. So, you know, again, one of the things I think for you, your, about your story for my listeners is it's great when I bring in these really rather famous people, right? They've, and, mm-hmm. but, the, and, but sometimes it's so unrelatable because it's, well, great, you're this famous person right? And here you are, you represent so many of my listeners where they're struggling in their life. And then they go, wait, she was, she was once like me. She was once making $10 an hour, or she was a single mom trying to provide for her family. Right. And they can resonate with that. And then to realize that, look, you know, she made $75,000 last year in the, in the, you know, in the mid Midwest. Right. So that's, that's a rather large income. Right. It's like, okay, again, if that is possible for Alicia, what can be possible for me? And I love your mindset about, well, I mean, every time, you know, you kind of like got knocked down, right? When you got pregnant, you know, it doesn't sound like you went, oh, poor me. It was like, okay, I have the world at my, at my, in my hands, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a clean slate again. (laughs) (laughs) Most people look at that as baggage, but look at the way you looked at it, right? This is true, especially at 18. Yeah, but you're like, oh, well, look at this. Or or the fact that, okay, I'm 25 and I'm going to move back in with my parents <laughs> because I need, to, I need to provide for my child while I'm getting going on this business and I'm making $500 a month, woohoo, and everybody else is going, are you crazy? How can you support yourself? Yeah. Um, I probably was a little crazy and I probably still am a little crazy, but that's okay because, um, you know, Steve Jobs, when he just passed away, and, you know, he's like, here's to the crazy ones, the mm-hmm. ones that are really crazy to do what, what they know that they, 
they can accomplish even when other people don't think so. I mean, uh, I think that my family thought that I was doing Amway or, um, you know, I, they had no idea what being a virtual assistant was. It was like some made-up title. It was, you know, not a legit job at all. And they may still look at it like that. Um, I don't know. I think 75000 should uh, definitely secure the fact that uh, what I'm doing is, is a job. Um, but, you know, I <clears throat> was raised by my single mom who uh, I don't even know that she could fathom that amount of money, you know. She, uh, she didn't come from anything. And she raised us on nothing. And so, you know, being 18, being 25, moving back in with them and, you know, really just like taking, taking the world by storm, having an international business within the first year, uh, that's, it's huge. That's things that people can't really grasp on. And I didn't have a wealthy husband that was there feeding me money to help me support my business. I didn't have wealthy parents that were there supporting me. I mean, when I was living with them, I was still paying money to live there. Um, so that $500 a month was going really quick. So, you know, it, it, it's getting through the hard times and saying, I can do this, and that there is something better for me on the other side of it, um, and, and not shutting down, not going into the corner and, and wrapping yourself into a ball and rolling back and forth like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you most certainly can, and with technology and the way that, that things are right now, I don't know what will be stopping you. Wow, that's incredible. And so what were some of the keys that helped you boot, bootstrap your business? Um, because a lot of times people think, oh, I have to, if I want to start my own business, I have to have all this stuff or I have to have all this money. But we can actually bootstrap nowadays. We don't really even need to have business cards. No, no. In, in fact, until probably two and a half years ago, I had not spent a dime on marketing besides paying for my website costs every year. Not one dime. Um, because with the Internet and with social media and with technology, your ad space is your website. Your front door to your business is your website. So you don't. I mean, my fees for, I think, my first year in business um, and I was just looking at this because I'm looking into buying a house right now. So I've been looking at, into a lot of the growth of my business and, and my, my monthly bills. And, you know, it was only a couple hundred dollars that I spent that first year to get my business started outside of classes that I did take, which were a couple thousand dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at first I did have to pay up front, but at the time I was still married to pay for those. So it wasn't, you know, and I um, – uh, when I took my classes, I was still working full-time, too. It, it was all divine intervention. Um, about two weeks I had left in the training program is when I got fired from my job. So it was just like, wow, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. Um, but I didn't spend any money. And then, you know, when you're starting a business, you get to count your home deductions, too. So that definitely helps. Um make it a little easier on your wallet when you're first starting your business. But you need a computer, you need a website, and that's about it. Do you have a voice? If you have a voice, then you can go out and you can talk up your business. And now, I mean, they do have uh, Facebook business cards that you can get for really, really cheap and spend it for like under 20 bucks. So there are definitely different ways that you can go out there and not have to spend a lot of money. 
um, when I started my business, I didn't join any local chapters or left local networking groups. I went straight to the Internet. Why was that? Uh, I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was broke. I didn't have any money. I mean, even the $3,000 that we had invested for me to receive the training was a lot of money at t- the time. So um, I was broke. I basically just had to go out there and be me and do it all on the Internet. And this was before Facebook was around, too. Um, I picked up my, this is kind of creepy with all the stuff that came out with Craigslist, but I got my first client from Craigslist. Uh, my first real client. I had a, a bad client that I don't even count before that um, that was from a referral. But my first real paying client that paid me that $500 a month mm-hmm. came from Craigslist. Completely free ad. I didn't have to pay anything for it. Sent them to my website. You know, I, I created information about what I could do. Sent them to my website. Um, she reached out to me through email. And we ended up working together for four years. So, you know, I did, I found ways to make it work. Wow. So it looks like you really have got this, as Carol Dweck from Stanford, she talks about uh, mindsets and the growth mindset and fixed mindset. You have a growth mindset where you're constantly looking, okay, here's this situation. How can I solve it? What, you know, what are the things that I can do to move forward instead of, oh, here's the situation. I'm doomed and gloomed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be so easy for me to say that. You know, um, not fitting in in corporate America. The people that I was surrounded by, I didn't fit in with them. You know, conversations just, they were talking about one thing and I wanted to talk about another. You know, it's just, there were so many times in my life that I could have just said, really, I give up. This is is just how your life's going to be. Just appeal to the masses. Stop trying to be different. Stop trying to change things. You're never going to change the world. I could have said that. Um... But I would have never believed that <laughs> mm-hmm. because I do believe that every individual that put forth effort um, can change the world in their own way. What's the biggest mistake you've made in building your business? Um, okay. Uh, the biggest mistake that I've made, in, and this is probably, well, really, I still worked on this last year with my mastermind group, was not, as much as I'm saying that I know that I can rule the world at times, I still have a very small mindset because I'm from a small town. I have a business and not a lot of people understand. So I, I had not surrounded myself with people that were bigger than me until probably the last year or so. And so I, I always had this small mindset. So never dreaming big enough was the biggest mistake that I made in my business. I could have been where I'm at now a lot sooner if I would have positioned myself um, with the right mindset of how big I could be. Um, and I know that is the, the biggest mistake that I've, that I've made was just up until about a year ago, not thinking that six figures was even a possibility. And, you know, I took, um, <laughs> it's funny, I probably would have hit six figures this year, but this summer I slacked off and did not do a lot. I had a speaking gig and I went on a two-week vacation, and I just, you know, really enjoyed the summer with my daughter, and I probably would have hit six figures if I would have tried a little harder, but I didn't care because it wasn't about the money. It was because I was finally doing what I wanted to do. I did what I loved. I was traveling so much. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, I had people joking with me, like, all right, where's the next trip to? 
you're only here for another two weeks, and then where are, where are you traveling to? So, um, the, but, well, and don't the you the limit? <laughs> but don't you think part of? I mean, one of the things I talk about with success is how do you measure it. And, you know, is mm -hmm. it making that six figures or is it having that time with your daughter? Because right. the, the time, I mean, when I think about this, the, the time that we have with our kids, because we have a, I think our daughters are pretty similar age. I have a almost yes. a sixth grader. She's almost 12. And I, and the other day it hit me. I only have six more years left with her at home, yes. you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that I, I can never, I can't buy that back. I can always mm -hmm. go and make more money. Now I understand though, when that significance of, you know, when I first made my six figures, it was like, wow, you know, because it, it is that goal and you get there and then yeah. you kind of go, well, life's not really any different. There's more money, but <laughs> I pay more in taxes, you know, but it wasn't, yes. but, it, but it's, and it's great to have goals. It was the same thing as being a swimmer. It was okay when I make, you know, when I become a national champion, well, I was still the same person. There weren't, you know, there weren't balloons <laughs> and fireworks. Um, but it was something that I needed to achieve because it's that experience, I think, of achieving it. But at the same time, it, maybe that was also why you thought, well, this is why, you know, I want to spend time with my daughter. I've been mm -hmm. working really hard for all these years, you know, and we have plenty of money right now. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I set my goals for last year with my mastermind group that I um, had invested in, um, that was that was the main goal was was six figures, you know, because it's like that's the I think the main goal that all business owners want to take when they start to see that ball rolling closer and closer to it. You know, I, I hear all you know being a VA and interviewing clients. I want to make six figures in my business. That's what every mm -hmm. single person wants, and it's not that much more money because you're right. I'm paying out you know assistance and. And I'm traveling the world now, which is great. So I'm going through so much more experience. And that's what's making me happier. It's not the money. You mm -hmm. know, it, it was nothing the money. And I, I will tell you, I am great at getting myself into um, these situations that make me just aspire to be a better person. Because on one of the trips this summer with my daughter, we, uh, we went to Atlanta and we were flying out of there. My dad lives in Alabama. So we went to Atlanta to stay for a couple of days, just her and I. We got to the airport, we got the curbside checkout, and I had my laptop and I didn't have any way of printing the boarding passes. They didn't send the 24-hour check-in thing. So no red flags at this point were, were alerted for me. So we get up there and I give him my name and he's like, I'm sorry, are you sure you're at the right, uh, the right airline? We don't have any reservations for you. And, um, and, and it was a one-way ticket because I flew down there to get her and stuff. And, and so I'm like, no, this is, this is our, <laughs> this, this is for sure. We are flying out at this time with this airline. I know this is right. Well, here's what I did because it was a one-way ticket. I booked it from Ohio to Atlanta instead of Atlanta to Ohio. <laughs> so here are me and my 11-year-old stranded at Atlanta airport, which is huge, and I'm already overwhelmed because I've now just found out that I booked the wrong tickets. And I had a second that I, you know, I briefly melted down because I had um, a class that I was teaching that afternoon when my plane happily landed in Ohio. I um, had work that needed to be done that afternoon for one of my clients because I was planning on being home. I had been gone for two weeks. People needed stuff done, you know. So I pulled myself together. I was like, all right, 
walked up to the counter, what's it going to cost us to get home? It was going to be $1,200 for us to fly home that day or even the next day. So I was like, okay, I'm nine hours, eight hours, you know, with light traffic away from home. Let's call a rental car. So I call a rental car. I made it home and I more less time than I really care to mention um, that day, but you know, it was a drive that I never thought that I could have done by myself. I, when I was 23, 24 years old, I would have people drive my car to bigger cities because I'm like, I can't do this. I'm, I, there's no way, you know. And here I am, 30 years old, sharing my daughter and I in a city that I know nothing about. Mind you, my GPS that I got with the rental car didn't work, but I had, I knew that I just needed to get, you know, on the interstate and one way home. It was another one of those instances that I could have just melted down and mm-hmm. freaked out, called my, you know, family and said, bail me out of this, help me get home, pay $1,200 for us to fly home. And I was like, no, I'm going to figure this one out on my own. And I did, and I got us home by like 7 o'clock that night. So <laughs> it was just a little bit of a detour. <laughs> just a small one. <laughs> As we rescheduled the class and the work got done when I got home and it was not a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. You figured out a way to make it all work. Yeah, yeah. It was great. And now it's a great story that we get to share. <laughs> <laughs> this is Karen Modakaitis and you're listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today is Alicia Rittenhouse and she is the tech cheerleader and digital diva. So Alicia, um, I want to now talk about, now that my listeners have gotten to know you, about ways that they can, my listeners can build their business using technology. Well, I mean, technology puts everything at your fingertips. You can communicate with somebody um, all over the world, you know, in Australia or California, like we're doing right now, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it puts everything at your fingertips. Um, and there are some strategic things that you can do with your online presence to really position yourself for success. Um, number one is having a pop presence. And what I mean by that is a positive online presence. Every ounce of negativity that's handed to you, you can flip it around and turn it into a positive. Um, having a positive attitude when you are, are working in your world of technology will help you really put yourself out there. People are attracted to positiveness. People are not attracted to negativeness, right? So if you take your website and you take your social media and you take all of that stuff and you put nothing but positiveness and love into it, people are so going to be attracted to it. Um, And then with technology and the Internet, it's great for creating buzz about yourself, your business, what you're doing, how you're presenting yourself, every little aspect of your life you can create buzz. You can do it with Instagram, with pictures. Um, so, you know, when I stranded myself in Atlanta, I flipped that uh, negative situation into a positive by creating a little bit of buzz about the situation that my daughter and I were in with social media. Um, I used pictures to demonstrate what we were doing. She got um, when we got when we did get picked up at the airport and dropped off our rental car, she got picked up in a limousine from the car service that we used. So you know, I put a positive spin on it and used uh, technology to create buzz using Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So so many different programs out there. Um, 
I don't want to mention too many because people just like eh, shut down with technology. But there are so many different applications and social media sites and tools that help enhance your business and can really draw attention to it. If you're a DIY craft person and you're making things on your website or you're selling things on your website, install Pinterest. People are totally up on what's going on in Pinterest right now, and it's a great way to create buzz in your business. And then think about when you are marketing your business online and you're creating this presence, what makes you stand out from everybody else? Um, you can look at my story right now and you can see. It's, it's pretty easy to see what makes me stand out. I'm with a high school dropout. I got pregnant at 18, had Madison when, she was or when I was 19, um, fired from my job, got divorced, you know, all of these different things that set me apart. Now i got pink hair and I've got a fun personality and I put a lot of spunk into my business. So what I've done is created what sets me apart from my competitors is me. It really is what sets me apart from the others that are out there teaching technology or the others that are out there training VAs. Um, people want to come and work with me because of who I am, because they see what I'm doing be creating um, the pop and creating the buzz in my business. Through video, they know who I am. They feel like, <clears throat> they feel like we're friends. They feel like they can email me and, and be connected with me. Um, and so me, I, and, or you in your business is what sets you apart from the rest. And using that in your marketing, oh, people will just fall in love with you when they connect with you because not everybody's going to resonate with me. Not everybody's going to love me, and that's okay because they're not my ideal customer. But those that are my ideal customer are going to love me because they relate with me. So it really, really is important that you use that that one trait that you have as your key selling point. It's your unique selling point. What's your, what is your um, boundary around Facebook, your personal page? and Because mm -hmm. when I first started the show back in the fall of 2006, um, and I was doing a lot of mommy bloggers, and, you know, there was questions then about do we put our children's pictures online and, you know, and, and slowly parents have been putting on pictures of their kids on Facebook and I, I as well. Mm -hmm. But they're still always concerned about, you know, exposing our kids to that. So what is your boundary on Facebook about who you'll friend and who you'll allow into that space? Well, and, and you were probably in the situation, too, when you started Facebook marketing. Um, they didn't have pages then. Uh -huh. So the only way that you could really promote yourself was through your profile. Mm -hmm. And I have butt up with a couple social media people against this because I have been completely open with my profile. I don't use my Facebook page. I pretty much connect with people through my profile. And especially now with the subscribe button and the other features where they've kind of lifted that 5,000 friend mark, it really makes it a lot easier. Now, I will say that I am probably a little bit more overly of putting my daughter out there than some parents would, but I do it in a tasteful way. Um, I do it, you know, when we're out maybe in social settings. Um, you know, I remember when she started the first day of school and I posted some pictures. I went through the extra steps of blocking out the road signs so that nobody could see what road we lived on. Mm -hmm. And my marketing material is on a different city to protect us in that way because I, you know, single mom, 
only daughter, you know, was just us. Mm -hmm. So I was cautious to an extent. But I will tell you, people love Maddie and I. They know that we're a team and we're connected together, and people really love it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm full for, for it. Now, when your kids are younger, cover up their areas and don't put provocative pictures and, you know, be smart about it. Um, but have fun at the same time. You know, I remember at Christmas time I was wrapping presents and I, you know, posted a picture on Facebook about how I was wrapping Madison's presents. And, you know, people loved it because they connect with both of us. Um, they've seen me raising her as a single mom through my business. And you know what? They support me even more so now because of that. So have, you know, if it, if it is in your brand, I mean, if your brand is very corporate and not kid-oriented, then I don't suggest that you go and be this very personable person. Um, but most businesses you will find are going to model where they're based on personality and, and who the people are that are the owners. That's really what attracts people to, to businesses like bakeries or, you know, different things like that is who's the backstory? Who are the people involved? And do they have family? Do they have kids? You know, who are those kids? That's what people connect with. In, you said that Facebook lifted the 5,000 friends? Well, it didn't lift the 5,000 friends. I shouldn't say that. But because of the people can subscribe to you, Okay. You still have the ability, like you're not, um, you're not shut down. When you hit five thousand friends, people still can subscribe to you. Mm-hmm. Subscribe, yeah. Am I saying that word right? Um, so it's not like like before. Once you hit five thousand, you were done. Nobody could even connect with you. And really, it got close. Like if you were within about twenty to forty people of five thousand, it was, you know, people were were shutting it down to reserve those spots. Where now. Even if they've hit 5,000 friends, you can still subscribe to them and receive their updates. And that's that's the big thing. You know what I mean? When you've hit 5,000 people, you really don't want those people on your friends list. You just want them to subscribe to your updates. Mm -hmm. So it it eliminates that that barrier right there. That A lot of people switch to pages because they could have 16,000 people liking their page, but Mm -hmm. they could only have 5,000 friends. So... And well, what about, because some people do pages separate from their personal because mm-hmm. they're friends, right? They're, they're, they're actual in-face friends, um, don't want to be marketed to with their business. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that is definitely a great tactic. I, I'm sorry to my friends if I'm marketing too much and you don't like it. I really apologize. But um, <laughs> now what they have set up, too, is that you can create... Uh, like little groups on your back end that separate people out. So when you add somebody as a friend or request a friendship from somebody, you can put them into a group and send messages only to that group. Not messages, but like status updates. So like when you go to update your status, you can click who it, it shows up to. So like I have a group that's my town. Right? So anybody that falls under that is probably not going to want to hear from me. So right now, as I'm adding people from this area, I put them in that group. And I can choose to not send that message out to them. That is the nice thing because they do have uh, Mm -hmm. close friends and they have those, you know, they have all these different lists that you can take the time to do. Yes. Yes. Now, 
Now, that is the problem. I have 1,600 friends. I am not going to take the time to go through that right now. Maybe I'll have a, an intern eventually do that for me, but that's a lot, you mm -hmm. know. So um, that's, that's the only negative thing for me is that I can't go through and do that. But all of the people that I've built um, my following with are connected with me on my profile. They may have liked my business page, but I have so much more interaction going on on my profile than I do my business page. And then you mentioned Pinterest. So for those that yes. are going, wait, what is that? I know what it is. Um, I'm looking at it, trying to figure out how to incorporate that. And <laughs> if I even want to incorporate that, I'm not quite sure. So um, it's, it's definitely a time sucker. <laughs> um, we all thought that Facebook was probably the queen of, of time, losing track of time. But uh, Pinterest could probably rank right up there. What it is is it's basically, it's like creating virtual boards, boards of things that you like. Like if, if you stumbled across a craft on the Internet, on a website, and you want to save it for later because you're not ready to do that craft right now, you can pin it to a board. Like visualize you have a bulletin board in your office and you see something in a magazine, like an article, you rip it out and you pin it up on your board for later. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the idea with Pinterest. But you can use it for so many different, you can use it for articles, you can use it for recipes, you can use it as a visual um, vision board for your business. So if you want, you know, to take different vacations, you want to create a vacation vision board you know, of all the different places you want to visit. You can pin all of these things, and then you can see all of your friends' pins. So it, it, it is a way to connect you to your friends and what they like and, and what crafts they're seeing and, and what, you know, like people do uh, style design for outfits if you want to get inspiration for different outfits, um, decor for your home. I mean, the options out there are endless of what you can repin, what you can create these pin boards on. And you could go check out mine. Um, it's under Allie Rittenhouse. And I've got, you know, crafts. I've got geek stuff, um, products that I like, um, designs for when I buy my house and I want to, you know, set up the decor, style ideas for my outfits, recipes, food that just looks delicious. But it's just fun to look at. I mean, it is just this visual bulletin board for you to pin and never lose track. Like, everybody's went to that website and then left the website and then went to go back and find that website, and you couldn't find it, right? So that's why you don't lose track of stuff. So However, I will say I have went to pin something, got distracted, didn't pin it, closed out the window, and it is a little hard to go back and find those pins again. So you can actually get the pin. So if you're on a website, then you can take that URL and put it on your pin interest. Well, if they have the button installed, it's kind of like um, Facebook like and oh. Facebook tweet. You do need to have it installed on your website to be able to do so. But if you run a WordPress website, which I highly recommend, you can easily do so. Okay. There's plugins out there for that. So... Um, you do need to have that, but what you generally happens is you don't go out looking the web for things to pin. You go on to Pinterest 
and find the things to pin on there. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and they have topics that you can search them out by. You know, if you're looking for some type of recipe, you can search what's already been pinned, and it, it searches the entire world, not just people that, um, that you know that have pinned stuff. Wow, that could just be a whole nother time-consuming thing. <laughs> it, yes, and that's what I said. I think it, it has taken over as the queen of time sucks, but I really believe that it is great and will make your life easier if you are into crafting or getting instruction from other people. It is perfect for that. I learned how to take an old T-shirt and make it into a scarf for my daughter in like 10 minutes. And it was so cute. Yeah, no, there's some great craft ideas that I've seen on Pinterest as I've been kind mm -hmm. of just roaming around. And you're, and I, and it's, so it is really incredible. Um, I still don't know if I'm going to make my own account or I'll just be one of those stalkers who I just, you know, <laughs> go and watch. Well, and I've seen people using it for business, not just when you have something to sell or you're a DIY site or you give, like, it, um, when I start my blog back up, because we've been kind of on hiatus with the new site launch, um, we are going to have a pin it because I am going to share like geek tech tips and geek products and different things like that, and you'll be able to pin it on there. So then other people from around the world can see it. So it really can drive traffic to your site if you have that button installed. So um, as we're wrapping up, um, what so what are what do you think are some of the important technology tools for people to have? Is it to have Facebook, Twitter, website? Um, you mentioned WordPress. I totally agree with mm -hmm. you. My site's on WordPress. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and those you can even just get for free the WordPress site. You don't have to go and start with a designer yet. No, you yeah, you can have a website in five minutes or less if you are just wanting to get out there on the web. Um, you can go to WordPress.com set up a website in less than five minutes, have a URL, and go for it. Um, definitely a website is the number one thing you have to have. Hands down, no questions asked. And I would actually recommend WordPress 100%. And I would recommend the paid option with hosting. Um, simply because you can install all of the social media stuff so that people can easily share your content on the web. That is huge. The ability for somebody to just hit like and it suddenly shares your website with every single one of their friends is a phenomenal way to market your business without really marketing it, right? Mm -hmm. So WordPress is the number one thing. And I don't recommend that everybody just go out and sign up for a Facebook and Twitter account just because that's what everybody is doing. I recommend that you pick one and you do it really, really well. Once you have that one down, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, or Tumblr, or whatever it be, because each one has its own different purpose and, and your business will be positioned better for it, um, just do one really, really well. And when you have that down and you've got a following built, then move on to another one. Because consistency is more important than just being out everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Um, pick one social network after you've got your website and, and really, really focus on that. Um, and then 
The third thing is, and really you should be incorporating this with your website, so it's kind of number one, is you need to um, be able to have a way for people to pay you on your website. Whether it's buying something from you, buying your services, whatever it is, you want, when they come to your website, you need to have a way for them to give you money because they're there, right? And then you also need to have a way to build your list because they may not be ready to spend their money at that moment in time, but they're on your site and they're interested. You need to have a way to capture their name so that you can market to them because the leading to marketing ways that still have are hands down the two best ways to market your business is email marketing and direct mail marketing. I know a lot of people are probably like, what? Direct mail marketing, huh? <laughs> but still, those are the two best ways to market your business. So direct mail marketing is expensive. That's not even an option right now if you're just starting your business. So really forget about that one and focus on email marketing. Um, and you can do so with MailChimp. You can set up a free account. You don't have to pay anything to market your list and build it. Um, so use technology to edit full advantage. The only thing, if you decide that you want to go with WordPress and web hosting, it's less than $100 a year. And that's all the money that you should, you should have to spend. And those three things, well, those four things, because if, if you count them, the button taking money from your website, those four things are really the basics of what you need to start a business online. And only one social media outlet to start out with. Yeah, yeah, just one. Because if you go out there, you're, you're trying to build a business. You don't have time to be wasting time on two social networks. You need to get down to business and really make one work well for you. And then what are your thoughts about, because some people really go after like huge, having huge numbers, right? They need to have huge numbers, huge numbers. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that's that important? No, I don't. I disagree with that 100%. Again, I'm going to get smacked by the marketers. This is where I just don't. <laughs> I do my own thing. Um, no, I truly believe that you will have far more success if you build a list and a business of people that are passionate about who you are and what you do, rather than having 10,000 people on your list that don't give any care about you. Because they're not opening your emails. I even, I, I used to get this all the time. Um, clients would come to me and they want to move their list to, let's say, AWeber to build it. And they're like, but I've got you know 2,000 people that I've met through networking. AWeber makes them all confirm. I don't want to do that. And I always turn around and I say, look, if they can't even click a link to confirm their email address to join your list, they weren't going to buy from you. They were not going to give you money. They probably don't care about you. And I always encourage unsubscribes as a great thing because those people that unsubscribe from your list probably weren't going to spend any money on you either. And so they're, they're uh, making your numbers not right. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, if they're on your list and you're doing ROI and you're measuring what your success rates are and you've got 100 people on your list or 1,000 people on your list that aren't active, they should just unsubscribe, get rid of them. You know, mm -hmm. they're not doing you any benefit. You will build um, a business on less if they are passionate about you and they are interested and active um, more so than if you're just like, trying to team up with people that don't have your ideal clients on their list. 
a waste of time and energy. And it just, I don't know, it kind of looks creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So what are, okay, the takeaways for the listeners to build their business? You had mentioned one. Get a website. You can for a hundred bucks. You can build your own website. And I think one of the things that I would like to interject is that it doesn't have to be perfect, and you may not know what it's going to be like in five years or in a year from now. But get something up there because it's not permanent. You can always tweak it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually, ugly will sell over pretty if the content is resonating with your ideal client. Which is, I know, weird. (laughs) But pretty is always fun too. Okay. And then what's another takeaway? Um, another takeaway. Be yourself in your marketing. Like, tell the story of who you are. Or you want me to talk technology. Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but tell the story of who you are, who your business is, because that's what people are going to connect with you with. Um, and stay positive in telling that story. You know, I think my story has a little bit of negative connotation to it, but I spin it off with a positive. I don't make it out like it's negative. So keep it always with a positive attitude. Um, When building your online presence, make sure that you have a way that people can either pay you or get on your list to pay you in the future. All right. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for being a guest today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was great. It was a lot of fun. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you've been listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today was Alicia Rittenhouse, tech cheerleader and digital diva. Sign up for the, my newsletter at www.howshereallydoesit.com and have each interview de- delivered directly to your inbox. Early morning, fog is lifting. She's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wild.